Hello and welcome once again to another Pro Wrestling Post podcast. On this week's show, we mourn the loss of Joseph Animal Laurinaitis. Rest in peace, Road Warrior Animal. Oh, what a rush. We also saw the unmasking of Retribution, and yet when we were unmasked, we saw Ridiculous. From All Elite Wrestling, Miro's in-ring debut, Cody Rhodes returns from a extended absence, and Lance Archer tests positive for COVID. And in your indie news, we will give you an update on the new Japan G1 standings and an amazing NWA women's match. All that and more. Hello there, folks. How are we? We are back, back with a vengeance once again. I am sat here across the pond from my fellow Pro Wrestling Post podcast guys. How are we, Mark? How are we, Pete? Amazing. Yeah, doing all right despite the uh, the weather here. Yes, it's been yes. Very, it's been very humid on our side. Yeah, I think you've taken our, our weather from over here across the pond because up until two days ago, it was like an Indian summer and it was 26, 27, 28 degrees over here and... Ah, yeah, it's it's we've it's all gone now. It's typical fall slash autumn weather, and I'm not feeling that great. But I'm here powering through because that's what wrestlers do, isn't it? We they all power through. So we're talking about wrestling. Let's let's power through together. How's how's Mark doing? Mark is doing good. Mark is just super stressed, but as goes life, <laughs> get through the stress and enjoy enjoy. I guess the pros of what's out there. So I'm just very tired. That's just pretty much it. Trying okay. to be cohesive in this wrestling <laughs> world. Uh, let's 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 jump straight into uh, into this week's pod. We uh, we spoke about what you spoke about uh, in the intro there about the the unfortunate and untimely passing of Road Warrior Animal. Yeah, it it was very unexpected. It was announced. So as we're recording this, this is Thursday night that we're recording. It took place, I believe, Tuesday evening, late. It was announced to everyone early Wednesday morning. And the response has been utter grief. Um, for one thing, it's just added to what's been already a very challenging year for lots of people, no doubt. And when your heroes pass and fan favorites pass away, it becomes even that much more so, right? They, they're your memories of your childhood. And for three of us we grew up watching early wwe or wwf or nwa or were familiar with it or saw the the runs that they had as that team and animal was the constant yeah i mean you look at their at their body of work and and the stuff that they were able to accomplish uh in america and japan worldwide really you really see that that these two guys were just just larger than life loved wrestling you know did did so much for the industry really set the the template for uh the the powerhouse tag team it did i it did. i i have two two recollections two major recollections for the the road warriors slash legion of doom i didn't know of them as the road warriors until way after the event they they came into me in in my in my history as the legion of doom and them turning up at SummerSlam over here in the UK on those Harleys was absolutely mind-blowing. I was was just reaching my my high point of fandom and seeing them come down the 
the walkway, the gantry, the aisle, and it was just on those, just amazing. And then second thing, and it's quite selfish of me. The second thing is, is that they kind of introduced me to Sonny and, <laughs> and that kind of made me grow up probably a bit before my time. But they're, they're the two major takeaways I get. I can't really, really remember much of their matches. It was just the look, the, yeah. the feelings that they gave me, the atmosphere that they, they brought with them. Oh man, that was so damn good. One of the things that was interesting about them in their earlier days, like there was a real run earlier times in the NWA mid-Atlantic times where they were this really strong dominant team and they would just burrow through everybody. But Road Warriors with Legion of Doom together as a faction wasn't just them and, and Paul Ellering. So here's a bit of a trivia question. Pete would probably know this, so he's going to have to probably hold from that. But there is another WWE Hall of Famer who was part of that faction that is now part of AEW. Name that member. You might know that, Mark. We should have Jeopardy music for this question. <laughs> um, Oh, my word. My mind has gone blank. A Hall Jake, of Famer. That's Jake in... Roberts. Jake Roberts. Yeah. Originally... He was part of them. Originally in the Legion of Doom when they were formed yeah. in uh, 80, 85. Mm-hmm. Wow. See, I, I did not know that. Holy crap, that's blown my mind. Wow. Can yeah. you imagine, imagine the swerve that would happen if, if Jake stuck with that? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. But he was so oh. strong on his own that he could do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh man. Can you imagine the promos that they would have had if Jake stayed? Mm. Oh, my mind, is, my mind is all kind of messed right now. Jesus. That would seem that would seem sort of uh, uh, out of place, almost considering how very quiet and well spoken Jake the Snake Roberts was compared to Hawk and Animal, who spoke like this and wanted to destroy everybody. Oh, yeah, would have been attract. <laughs> would would have, would have been more interesting promos. Oh, they would have gone. They were proper roller coaster of a promos. They would have been all like the soft, gentle tones of of Jake leading you up to the top, and then all of a sudden you got like Animal Hawk just come in and start ranting and raving like this yeah well, that would have been that would have been brilliant i mean when you think of it's funny when you think of the road warriors you always think of what a rush and that was never animal's line that was hawk's line mm-hmm. that was that was his way to, to close everything one if i could ever remember like a signature line from animal it was tell him hawk and he would slap <laughs> him on the chest so his signature line was setting it up to his partner to say exactly doing what a good partner does and just sets him up Ready for the finish, basically. Yeah. Oh, it's um, it is a sad day. It, it, sorry, sorry, Pete. Um, has anyone heard the uh the legends of uh the matches that ended with Animal's Power Slam? No. Which ones? Well, Later the idea, years, earlier years. All of them. Okay. When there was a Road Warriors match that ended when Animal hit a Power Slam, it was because whoever they were again going up against was afraid to take the Doomsday device. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That makes a damn lot of sense. Wow. That's that's a scary bump. Yeah, it really no is, because you're head over heels, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No way, no how. Uh, and I don't think Hawk ever kind of pulled from the uh, the diving clothesline. I think he, he meant to literally take your head off and yeah. flip you over at the same time. That was just an yeah. after effect, but that makes a lot of sense. But um, yeah, these these wrestling deaths that, that happen quite frequently now, they are... Um, us older guys, they they affecting. I don't know about YouTube, but they affect me more now. They make me more aware of my own mortality. In when my my guy growing up was Warrior, mm-hmm. and 
when he passed, I was knocked for six. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I was speaking to all my wrestling friends over here in the UK and they was like, oh my God, you know, this is up. And I, I was, it felt like someone close to me had died. As strange as that sounds, because he was such a huge part of my childhood and he made me, it's a piece on Pro Wrestling Post, one of my first pieces, where I speak about how much effect Warrior had on me, how much he changed my my views of music, my views of wrestling, my views of everything because of, of his character. And even though he said and did a lot of stupid stuff afterwards, and he was a welcome back into WWE with open arms, and I was just expecting more of the same, you know, and then for him to pass, it was just so sudden. And these wrestling deaths that are happening now are just so sudden. And for finding out that he passed away from natural causes, it just, oh, just knocks me for six, really does. I think the way I handle it is a fair bit different, considering that my guys... Uh, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit passed away when I was 14. Yeah. And that really, really kind of, kind of took me out of the product altogether all for like the next seven years. Wow. So what was it that brought you back? Uh, the rise of Daniel Bryan. I thought that it was because like the year before you had the uh, end of an era match with Shawn Michaels, Triple H and The Undertaker. And that right. kind of gave me the idea that, you know, Maybe there was going to be some some change up in how uh, in what the landscape of WWE is going to be like, and uh, that turned out not really to be the case. As Daniel Bryan got injured and John Cena took the the WWE Championship after that, but um, yeah, that brought me back. And then I kind of stayed because uh, NXT was a thing, and I I really liked NXT at that time. I can't think of a better segue into our next our next subject. But before we do go into our next subject, uh, once again, on behalf of Pete and Mark and everyone on Pro Wrestling Post, we send our condolences to the Laurenites family. And, um, yeah, much love to everyone there. Uh, as uh, as Pete so succinctly said in his little piece there, back then when NXT was really on fire, everything was great. Uh, now we have Retribution and everything is crap. Discuss. Hmm. Well, when you look at them outside of a really popular meme right now that's happened with, I think we talked about it just before we went to record, is CM Punk making fun of, I thought that was Slapjack's face, but maybe it was Mace, maybe it was T-Bar. I think it was Slapjack, which was Shane Thorne, right? Who... Um, I'm not even sure who's yeah, going to be fair. <laughs> they haven't done a really it's good like... job. It, it, no. It's... Yeah. It's... Who's on first? I don't know who's on second. Yep. It's an Abbott and Costello routine going on there, right? <laughs> it really, it's... really, the mask itself um, and being made fun of it looks comical, like like a paper plate. And CM Punk made fun of it when you've got too much time in catering. And that's just what you do. Um, the voice box sounding as though you're Bane. It really feels like, I think we were even talking about it and that it kind of comes across like it's trying to take from a Marvel Universe. Mia Yim's name hasn't been revealed as to what it is or mercedes martinez so i'm sure that'll come about next week but do more members become announced underwhelming incredibly yeah probably yeah i mean i mean you, you've got these and also you, you got to consider that there's all the other people that just show up whenever retributions uh, around like who are those people do they have contracts? Oh yeah, here's a, here's another question. On on Raw, we found out that Retribution now have WWE contracts, 
and they're this somehow means that they're allowed to just run around and cause havoc whenever they please the whole point of retribution was that they was against the system they was anti this and anti that so for them to now turn around and be part of the system they were trying to break by having contracts kind of goes against what they were standing for in the first place so what is the point I, I, now they've got what they wanted which was a contract surely they should just disband now but no they've, yeah. they've, they've had you know origami fun with paper plates and fought up silly little names I don't, I don't understand well now, now what's your motivation now you've got your contract. Your what is it that you want? What's your motivation? Well, exactly. There, there isn't. There is no. Con there is nothing. They've got what they wanted, unless they wanted to make some more anarchy. In which case, they're under contracts. So they could get fired. So, they shot themselves in the foot. I. I. We. Were they, was. Was the intention <laughs> to get hired in order to get fired? <laughs> I don't oh, know. So they can we, continue um, to create more havoc. Last week, uh, dear listeners, we did record a pod. But the audio gremlins had totally, totally ruined the pod. So it didn't go out. But we did say how much we were looking forward to this Retribution storyline. Because of what happened the week before that, where there was all the mystery and intrigue, and there was some storyline progression. We was like, yes, this is it. They've, they've, they've lit the, 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 the spark. It's going to be amazing. So we're not anti-Retribution at all. But fast forward a week, and we've got this pile of trash. And it's just unreal how much goodwill, as Pete said, how much goodwill that they have just completely undone with it all. I'm, 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 I'm flabbergasted to put a, a nice English word on it. So while I was looking up the members of Retribution, uh, there was an article that came up from Ringside News about the uh, particularly crude alternate meanings of the members' names. <laughs> I like a bit of crude. What we got? Do we need? Do we need to have the sensor bar on? Oh, sorry, <laughs> the T sensor bar on <laughs> when you say these names. We, yeah, we need to turn the turn the T chip on. Uh, okay, so Mace, we're we're fairly familiar with with what Mace is. Says here mm -hmm. uh, from Urban Dictionary, a uh, heavy spiked metal club used for breaking heads. A substitute substitute a suitable substitute for the pepper spray. Fair enough. T bar, when one is wearing mm -hmm. a thong slash G string, and they sit down. And it sticks out. You see a T-bar. So here's the one we might have to tape. We might have to. Uh, we might have to censor out. <laughs> Slapjack. Can you be suggestive? Can you be suggestive? Okay. Okay. Um, the act of, let's say, enjoying yourself. <laughs> okay. And then slapping another person in the face. <laughs> oh my word! So how? This how did they get that behind beyond the censors? Well, now you've said this, this just takes me back to, was it pages? Was it sorority sisters? Oh yeah. The submission yeah, sorority. Yeah. That, that was a bloody porn company or something. So no one's doing their due diligence and making sure that these words are not have double meanings surely, or, or they're doing it anyway to make themselves, you know, look good with the kids without actually taking into consideration what the kids are actually <laughs> saying. Oh wow! Uh, so then, basically, I, I'm hip. Damn it! Uh. <laughs> so basically, after CM Punk's tweet, and then whoever it was did a, a nice little retort and said, "Oh, you're a grumpy old vet," and the rest of it, they haven't got a leg to bloody stand on. If someone's going to take the mick out of their name, especially from Urban Dictionary, which I know a lot of kids use, they they, they haven't got a leg to stand on. Oh my words! Okay, so how? 
how are we feeling? I did say you you was you was bowing down to the the cat overlord, but I did say that we we did the record a pod last week. We were actually looking forward to the uh, the reveal of retribution. Now there was some storyline progression, mm-hmm. but now that's all gone. Yep. How how are you feeling about it now, Pete? Uh, so they laid out the game plan last last time we spoke about it, and we were all happy about that. And now they've got this this angle that doesn't make sense at all where they have contracts and they can just beat up whoever they want, which, you know, people used to lose title opportunities and, and championships and even their jobs for that. You know, remember when uh, uh, someone jumped someone else before the Royal Rumble and got in a massive amount of trouble for that. That Ooh, I can't remember that one. I have vague maybe, I can't remember who it was. Maybe I'm forgetting this one. So let's take a different route. Um, Randy Orton. That one time when he was facing Seth Rollins and he and he uh, uh, spent the night RKOing everyone in sight, wasn't there some some wasn't there some consequence he had to face for that? Didn't didn't he get like fined an extraordinary amount? Yeah, or, there we go. Or something on those lines. Yeah, yeah. Storyline, storyline. By the way, um, and there also used to be like I remember that time when Enzo Amore was cruiserweight champion and he had and he was pissing everybody off and he had it in his contract that no one could touch him. That's right. And that's you know. What is it in what's so different about Retribution's contract that lets them get away with this kind of behavior? You know, uh, and, and, you know, like we said about the goodwill. Yeah, we thought this this looked interesting. And then WWE comes along with this new take on things and they start treating us like like we don't remember these things. <laughs> like we can remember these important moments from different from different angles over the times we over the time we've been watching wrestling. And you can't just. You can't just drill it into us that attacking people, causing havoc backstage like this, has consequences, and then say no, we've done something, and now and now you can act with impunity. I've been saying for a long time that Uncle Vince and everyone underneath him, they don't cater the product for us anymore. They cater it for the the young kids that will go to their parents and say, "We want this, we want that, we want the T-shirts, we want the figures, we want the next pay-per-view, whatever else." They don't cater to us anymore. We are the ones with the longer memories. We are the ones that remember everything that's happened. We know about storylines. They don't. They don't give a monkeys. As harsh as that sounds, all they care about is the young kids because they're the ones that keep bugging us parents and saying, "I want, I want," and tugging at our our t-shirts, whatever else. And so we say, "Get off our lawn." Get... <laughs> yeah, old man yells at cloud. Um, it's it is it is literally. Uncle Vince sticking two fingers up saying, this is my company. I'm going to run it how I see fit, whether it makes sense to you guys or not. That's the way uh, I unless, see it. Unless unless for whatever reason, advertisers voice displeasure with something and speak up, I think would they then make a change? Otherwise, I, I don't really see them doing that per se. Yeah, if the advertisers find out about these... Um questionable names for members of retribution they'll probably that's when probably when we'll see the uh the changes have come about oh dear yeah oh man i can see so many people linking their sponsors to like urban dictionary and also oh. and also like they unmasked and then promptly put masks back on yeah they'll, they'll never recognize us now with these things mm. on like we we started oh, to figure out who they were back when they had the balaclavas on. What's uh, makes no sense. It's it is a cluster, and it's it's not gonna it's not gonna change no matter what they do. They've they've shot the whole storyline in the foot, and I know Shane Fawn is <laughs> is uh, is 
kayfabing us with his little f- online feud with, with Punk and trying to gain some notoriety and putting some eyes on the product and on, on Retribution itself. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's for me personally and for a lot of people that I talk to, it is past the point of no return. What did you say, Pete? Was it destined for disappointment? Yep. Yep. I, I think we're there. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Big sigh. Collective sigh. The IWC sigh collectively over what could have been with retribution. So from one storyline that's going down the pan to one that's that's peaked Mark for a few weeks. He's been trying for a few weeks now <laughs> to talk about this on the pods. And I've been like, hmm, I'm not sure. And this past week, it was like, right, it's time to pull the trigger. Yeah. This Mysterio family and the Seth Rollins family feud. Talk to me, Mark. So, so it's, it's had these layers that I, I, my wife always makes fun of the Rey Mysterio promos. I think she says, if I hear the name, my son Dominic one more time. <laughs> it's like, who else is Dominic? Of course he's your son. We've, I think we've beaten that, that, that horse as much as it's going to be beaten but it's less about that and i think now the inclusion of all the other members um i'm just curious to see this dynamic now because now we've seen his daughter become involved is there are they really going to try to tease of a paternity suit or was that just kind of a coy something where they're going to manipulate the younger daughter and that she becomes a disciple and that she isn't going to I mean, think of any teenager. Okay, Mark, you're you're a father of a teenager. I'm a father of a teenager. They can be defiant just to get back at their parents. Wouldn't this be kind of like life imitating art if that were the case? I could I could see I could definitely see that happening. Definitely. Yeah. But playing devil's advocate here, this is just a rehash from a story from fifteen years ago. Is is the okay the paternity portion of it is but the defiant teenager who was never like i don't think that might just be a ruse in it actually teasing of something because it almost felt like ray kibosh that he's like this has been done he like was active like this has been done we were there Mm -hmm. Uh, we're stronger than ever but then he threw in the she's just a kid kind of idea and she doesn't know much better and um i know i've caught my kid saying caught myself say that not that you don't know much better but i've like wait till you live a little bit and then you can experience the mistakes that i've made sort of idea laying it out like that i'm transported back to the late attitude era mm-hmm. and i can see stephanie mcmahon mm. it's 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 a combination of the two with with a few extra layers pete what's your what's your, what's your point of view on this so is it a rehash of of st- stuff that happened coming up on 15 years ago? Yeah. Uh, however, I think in the way that it's been presented, uh, reminds me of a thing Chris Jericho said in an interview at one point. He was talking about pro wrestling as an art form and storytelling, and he mentioned that the 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 similarities between how pro wrestling is presented and how uh, um, like Shakespeare plays used to be done, and the kind of the kinds of uh, of uh, drama and intrigue and whatnot that's happening there. And if I were in WWE creative, I'd start playing it more like that, where you have these two like noble families bickering over over whatever, what have you, 
and sort of have all of these different stories that kind of emerge out of that. And I think that's what they're trying to do, but it's not quite coming out that way. Okay, so now, now, sorry, Mark, now you've, now you've said it like that, could it be heading down a Romeo and Juliet line? See, he said bickering families. I was going to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, you could go West Side Story. Go say West Side Story. Oh, it's okay. Fine. Go well, yeah, West Side Story. West Side Story. Yeah. <laughs> That's but, exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> but yeah, now you've, you've, you've kind of, you've said it and laid it out a bit more easily for me to understand. It does have a lot of, you know, Shakespearean, Romeo and Juliet, West Side Story, whichever which way you want to, you want to, you want to call it. So, Ten Things I Hate About You. No, that was Taming Ten of the Shrew. Yeah. <laughs> so how do we see this going? Is it going to follow those stories, you know, that template, or is it going to skew off into its own little world at some point? I'd like it to, and that's precisely why it won't. Oh, no. Yeah, you've said it now. Damn it. Oh. oh. <laughs> but... So you would what you would like it for for her to join the daughter to join Seth's cult. I would like for Aaliyah and Buddy Murphy to kind of have their own little island away from this and start to start to be the seeds of of the downfall of both. Okay, that's interesting. What about you, Mark? Um, I think because there's so much doubt and people not trusting people not trusting um, Murphy or at least the Mysterio family not trusting Murphy because of his association with, with Rollins. I don't know about the bickering side because I don't think there's Rollins feeling the same way about not trusting the Mysterios because he's quite manipulative. The idea of them doing their own thing. That's, that's an intriguing idea. Be curious to see how that kind of plays itself out. Well, it's more about them trying to do their own. <laughs> Yeah, being, and then maybe the conflict that come in with others being, yeah, interjecting themselves somehow. Mm-hmm. So Ray could play like the domineering father and go, no, no, you're not being around Murphy. And then Seth's going to be like the overbearing cult leader and say, no, you're not leaving me and whatever else. Exactly. But I, that's the only, yeah, because right now I, we wouldn't get that impression. We feel like he's just a kicking, whipping boy that will do whatever seth wants him to so we've been led to believe that he's not going to he's just thank you sir may i have another a la tommy dreamer right i I don't know if there's gonna be that just yet but hey you guys could be right because it could unfold so with retribution giving us so much so much to possibly enjoy and and then shooting us in the foot are we expecting the same here are we expecting you know i'm touching wood here Long-term storytelling? We can dream. We can hope. We can hope. We can hope indeed. We can hope indeed. So, from that storyline, we're going to hop over to WWE's third brand. I'm going to quickly run down what happened last night on NXT. We don't normally do this, but quite a lot of things happened on the show that have a major impact, no pun intended, on the October 4th takeover. Now, Mark, did you see any... NXT, do you have you heard of anything from last night yet? So, um, unfortunately, here in Canada, unless we're watching it uh, through a legal stream, we don't have access immediately. Uh, so, if we're going to watch it on the level, we would probably have access to that. I believe it's on a Thursday night, on uh, around ten o'clock. It was airing that time. 
on the network and then we have it on network television on the Friday where they condense the two hour show into one hour. It's like they just crush everything, take out commercials and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Just looking into it, I'm more so intrigued about some of the matchups and some of the, the results that came about. Um, Candice LeRae and you know what happened with Tommaso Ciampa and Jake Atlas. Those are the things that kind of stood out as being exciting. But I'm I was excited about the debut of that one wrestler, some guy, right? Yeah, he they didn't just even not... announce his name. Yeah. So, is there anything from from last night that that really took your fancy, Mark? Um, because we haven't been able to to access or watch it just yet, I'm intrigued about where they're going to go with certain. We've seen Candice LeRae take on this heel character and how they're going to push her forward. So now that she's going to face, I guess spoiler or they've announced it because it's aired uh il shirai at nxt takeover um in october that's exciting um See, i'm glad you brought that up because i don't know if you know but okay. as the show started candice LeRae put tegan Knox out of the battle royal hmm. she um backstage kind of altercation and tegan wasn't in the battle royal apparently i haven't seen it myself yet being over here in the uk and with Candice winning the Battle Royal, could we see a triple threat? Could Tegan somehow get involved or maybe even put up Candice's number one contendership? Well, we have uh, at least at least another episode of NXT before then. I think that's a thing we'll have to find out next week. Yes. My love for Tegan is obviously well known, so I'm mm -hmm. just happy she's she's being featured and you know, uh, a feud with Candice has definitely put her even bigger on the map. So that's great. Um, Unfortunately, sorry. being from the great city of Winnipeg, Manitoba, I am contractually obligated to support Candice LeRae. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's cool. That is cool. We we all have these these things we must do. Uh, so the second match on the card was Tommaso Ciampa. Um is anybody happy with his new slash old psycho killer gimmick? Because even though it's not been called psycho killer, it blatantly is his psycho killer gimmick from the Indies. So I can't, I don't know if Pete's had the opportunity to see him compete live, but myself and one of our other writers on the site actually saw him at a ring of honor show where he completely obliterated a, a ring. Like he shredded it. Um, and he walked in on flip-flops in a gymnasium, ripped apart a ring, jumped the rail, and left. And to see it live, it, it was astounding because you're so close to the action, right? And then mm -hmm. you see plywood flying. <laughs> like, literally, you see plywood underneath the mat flying, and the sheets are ripped, and this anger, this aggression, that unhinged, like, stone cold turned up to, like, what seems like 100 in some cases. Um I'm loving that they're bringing it back. It's it's given another gear to the character because he was always of the that ilk where uh, he would do whatever was necessary. But now he was in a string of bad luck, and maybe he needed to remind reminded about who he is. Who are you, Tommaso Ciampa? Uh, I am the psycho killer. I am reasonably familiar with Tommaso Ciampa as the psycho killer because um, I remember when he was one of the names they announced for. Uh, global force wrestling i went through some of his old matches uh, i've seen a bunch of his stuff for pwg 
uh yeah i think i think giving him that old edge back is probably it's probably best for his character at the moment considering Tommaso Ciampa has come out and and stated as much that he doesn't want to become part of the main roster anytime soon mm-hmm. so you know you know, I've, I've I've made jokes several times on this podcast about the NXT main event holding pattern. Anything that can disrupt that, good. Yes, you you, yeah. you have said on a fair few occasions about his holding pattern, and this is definitely, as you've just said, helped him uh, going forward. It's, this basically is just putting on uh, an old glove, and he slips right back into this character. As I said, they haven't actually called it the Psycho Killer. I don't think they will, because that means they have to acknowledge his indie past. But I, for one, am super happy. And his possible little mini feud with Jake Atlas, that looks promising too. Mm-hmm. Could we... I know we've we've spoke about this already, but Jake Atlas come out at the end of his match, of sorry, Tommaso's match last night and said he will see him next week. Do you reckon there's enough steam to get a match on the TakeOver card? I know we've discussed, but could we if the next damn match uh has an inconclusive finish we might yeah i think if if at the that case we have atlas that's super motivated if he, it's one of those cases where if you continue to get beat then you're there to prove yourself he could easily generate enough steam where people are just going to start to uh, pull behind jake and jake's story for anyone that knows followed him for his time is so warming and the fact that you want to see him succeed he's the fact that he'd be facing Tommaso one or for a third time uh, I I would definitely want to see that and especially on an NXT card it says something about trying to elevate the other talent another thing you asked uh, uh, Mark about other things that that piqued our interest Uh, I thought the bit with Fandango selecting the number one contenders for the tag champions for tag championships very clever, and I think it really kind of hung a lampshade on all the weird matches they've been doing lately, <laughs> like that Fatal 4-Way Iron Man match and, and the gauntlet that took place last night. And, and you know, it, that was that was neat. Oh, that was neat. Not Definitely different. Yeah, we don't, we don't see that every day. No, and you, you, you bang on there. It was Rizango doing, doing something I associate when, when a champion lays down the law so to speak and says i want this i want that i associate that with a heel so for seeing brizango not laying down the law but asking mr regal here's here's a here's an idea that's different for a start which is good and the the idea itself was different and gave us a bloody great match as well so pete you was on about the the gauntlet match earlier we uh finished the show last night with the gauntlet match with the crowning of a new number one contender and a surprise new number one contender uh are you happy are you sad you're indifferent what's what's your feelings pete so i thought the way they brought it they did the gauntlet with the uh uh, kind of royal rumble rules going on where a new man entered every four minutes uh that was an interesting way to do a gauntlet match when you only have a two-hour show but you talk about Kyle O'Reilly as as a surprise number one contender, but I think it would have been a, a pretty a pretty decent surprise had anyone been the winner, because I like uh, um I think of these guys at um, Bronson Reed, Trevor Lee, Cameron Grimes, Kushida, uh, Kyle O'Reilly. Am I missing someone? Nope, that's your five. Um, yeah, I think of those five guys as guys who would be 
uh, excellent contenders for for say the North American Championship. Right. But to see any of these guys in the main event, this seems like 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 the start of their main event push, and and that could be that could be, like I said, a big change into the the NXT main event holding pattern. Uh, I'm excited for for changes to that, uh, even if uh, uh, Finn Balor is already a pretty big a pretty big change to to that. As for Kyle O'Reilly, uh, yeah, he can go. I don't think he can go enough to to beat Finn Balor. But yeah. if this is if this is the start of Kyle O'Reilly main event player, yeah, yeah, that'll do the job. So you're you're happy that Kyle's getting a, a shot. You're happy that Kyle could be upsetting the status quo in the main event scene. Yes, yes, that is that is my take here. Excellent, Mark. Um, much like Pete, I, I'm I'm happy that they're going in a different direction and that Kyle is getting that opportunity to think back to what he had achieved in ROH, his real blood feud with Adam Cole at the time, now stablemate, knowing what he's capable of doing, given that opportunity, he's got a lot of, to, to look at him, you wouldn't think that he's got some of the charm or charisma that he does, but then you see him and he he really does. He really has this uh comical kind of fun relaxed way about him when he's gotten a chance to be silly or demonstrate that and even being on the mic so he may have another gear that we're getting a chance to see and it's exciting it's exciting because these opportunities are going to come somehow so if it's not for this title it might be for another all i'm hoping for is on the takeover on, on october 4th I'm hoping that Triple H and then all the other agents give them 20, 25 minutes and let them do what they used to do in New Japan. That's all I ask. I want mm-hmm. some strong style. I want some wrestling ability. I want some technical ability. And I want them to tear the sodding house down because I know for a fact, given just, just give them a chance and they will blow your mind. I, I've never seen them wrestle together, but I know that they they look like a great pairing together in the ring yeah i was about to ask is that a match that had happened in new japan i'm not 100 percent sure i don't have any information in front of me and i don't want to touch my laptop because of the audio gremlins um <laughs> but if if they did let us know give me some highlights because i well, want to bloody watch it um but yeah i, I just seen red dragon in 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 new japan and obviously i watched um Devitt back in new japan back in the day they, their styles are similar to a to a point. They're similar and not so similar to be, you know, very good opponents against each other in my eyes. So yeah, if they have if they have one match, uh, point it towards me because I, I I need to see this. If they haven't, then I'm going to be even eager, eagerer. That's not even a word. Even eager. more eager. Even more eager to see them on October fourth, and I'm probably going to have to watch it live, which means I'm going to go into no. work on. They, they haven't. So they have never had a singles match against each other at any point, at any time, ever. That's been documented, at least by cage match. The only match was a tag team match where Balor was with the Street Profits at an NXT live show against the Undisputed Era. Cool. Nothing wow. one-on-one. That, that, must have been, that must have been a fantastic match. Yeah. Yeah, six-man tag in Seattle. So, and that was... Roughly a year ago, because it was uh, October 2019. So there we have it, folks. First time pairing off for the the main title in NXT. 
I'm excited. Mark's excited. Pete's excited. Oh. I'm kind of hoping that, you know, this is the match that kind of changes Pete's quite, you know, incendiary opinion <laughs> about Finn. But yeah, that's that's all to come on October 4th, which is what, two weeks away, I think. Less yeah, than well, that. That's- that's inspired an edition of Never Cross Paths now too. So I knew I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> so, if, listeners, if you don't if you don't know that the uh, the Never Cross Paths series, it is a series that we have on Pro Wrestling Post where we look at an upcoming match between two guys or two women that have never had a match against each other before. So, just by mentioning and, and the this, lead up, yeah, and the lead up made, to that match has has made mark's uh creative juices flow i think mm-hmm. so expect that in the next few weeks i would imagine or you know maybe we put the dare out there if pete's interested um we could flip a coin if he if he doesn't want to tackle it i would tackle it uh, and i think that just gives us because it's not a fantasy booking they're they're headed to face each other mm-hmm. and what happens as they face each other and their stories separately and where they've been and now this moment, this time, planets align, call it what you will, can be exciting. Hopefully they get the time that NXT main events typically do. Um, the um, Keith Lee and the rather injured fellow, Karrion Cross had was um, a, a little underwhelming, unfortunately, because of a situation. But at the same time, typically they get a good half an hour. So We can only hope. And uh, as as uh, as Mark just said there, folks, you can expect to see a an uns- not an unsung hero, so never cross paths even on those two combatants in the next few weeks. We are now going to quickly go back a day, and we're going to go to mm-hmm. Tuesday's Impact. I am going to quickly say to you guys, I haven't had a chance to see Impact yet, but Pete did throw us some news in the super secret Facebook group chat. About Victory Road. Is that right, Pete? Yes. Uh, so it looks like uh, Eddie Edwards is going to get his rematch against Eric Young for the Impact World Championship at a uh, Victory Road, which this year is a Impact Plus exclusive. So you're going to have to have the... Uh, the Impact Plus app, if you want to, if you want to see that, we believe that they're doing a 30-day free trial. Hopefully, thanks to the promotion, they might send us some. <laughs> Impact, Scott Demore, you listening? It wink, wink. <clears throat> but yeah, that Use was promo uh, code. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, the thing. Uh, that was the, one of the big takeaways from uh, Impact Wrestling this week. I've got uh, some other results from Impact here. If that's the thing we want to talk about. Sure. All right. Read my feature, Brace for Impact, every Monday on the Pro Wrestling Post website. So, the show opened today with an X-Division Championship number one contendership match between TJP, Chris Bay, and Trey Miguel of the Rascals. This was some old-school X-Division action, very fast pace, had lots of of high spots, lots of interesting uh, offense, like uh, TJP with that kind of sharpshooter camel clutch thing he did. Uh, TJP with the bridging Moodalock and and uh, uh, only to to get stomped by uh, I believe it was I believe it was Bay Trey Miguel walks out the winner, which you know good for him he's he's been he's been on uh, on the title hunt quite quite strongly lately and immediately after Rohit Raju offers him the championship match and wins 
very quickly in decisive fashion with with the surprise roll up, the most devastating move in all of wrestling. Mm, the roll up of Dome. Of Doom. If you ask me, I mean Trey looks kind of foolish taking that championship match right away, but it also seems on the other hand, it also seems very much in line with with the things he's been he's been doing just to get his hands on a title. Uh, right. You know, he he was the first to to answer uh, Eddie Edwards's open challenge for the Impact World Championship. He answered uh, Moose's call, and uh, yeah, now he's trying to trying to get his hands on the Exhibition Championship. So is that a a, a, a fit of youthful like rashness on on his part there? He just wasn't I think, thinking I straight. Think, yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. He's got the the adrenaline running after becoming a number one contender from. A very a very exciting match, and then Rohit Raju takes advantage of this to to claim an easy win, and that really fits in with the the predictions I made uh, all the way back on episode two, was it? Yes. About yeah. how how Rohit Raju's championship reign was going to go. Yes, the snidey win at all costs sneaky way. Yeah, very uh, uh very Miz, very very honky tonk man. Mm-hmm. After that match. There was Kimberly versus Susie with Deonna Perazzo and Kylie Ray at ringside. Solid match because you have you have a worker like like Sue Young, you have a worker like Kimberly. They they come together and and put together you know a good a good television match. Some more development on the Susie front as uh, she wins yet again using the panic switch finishing maneuver used by her villainous alter ego Sue Young. But I gotta ask, what's Kimberly getting out of this angle? She she doesn't really have much of a storyline other than Diona Perazzo promising her a championship match if she's able to to put a dent in Kylie Ray and Susie. But so far she hasn't, and I don't know what this is, how this is going to affect uh, her coming out of coming out of it. Is it a case of of she's just being led on led on? You know, she's been. Yeah. surreptitiously being made to do someone else's bidding, thinking she's going to get something out of it. And then maybe the storyline is that she's going to wake up to all this down the line and enough is enough and it's time for a change. I mean, quite probably, but if I remember correctly, it was Kimberly who suggested this this partnership in the first place. Ah. So I'm starting to wonder if, if she's just working on her own faulty assumptions. Hmm. Very strange. But unlike some certain WWE booking, this is making you think, rather than being predictable, this could go many, many ways, which is never a bad thing. Yeah, that's uh, unpredictability is is more often than not good for for the storytelling overall. You know, you you want to tune into a wrestling show and with the with the idea that anything could happen. Following this, we had quite an interesting development in the. EC3 and Moose angle. EC3 put Moose's phone number on screen and encouraged people <laughs> to contact him. <laughs> I'm so, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they've been trying to find each other, and uh, EC3 was like, "Yeah, just let's contact Moose. Try to get him to to find me." Oh, I've just found it. Oh, I've just found it. Okay, guys, guys and girls. International rate supply. Okay, but the number you want to ring is. 407-457-8494. That's 407-457-8494. Oh, my God. I'm so ringing that as soon as we're done. Impact oh, Wrestling, wow. come on. Toss us some freebies. That's amazing. 
Oh, <laughs> like the only the only time I can remember anything like this happening was uh, that time Al Snow was looking for his dog, and he gave a number live on TV, and it was Val Venus's phone number. <laughs> of course, no one no one would have known. Oh, because it was just like a really it was it was written very small. But if you if you pause and you can you can kind of make it out. And I wonder if uh, wonder if anyone and reached out. Oh man, that's I might have to do some digging. That sounds like a fun story to cover, actually. Yeah, for sure. Oh wow. What else did we have on the show? RVD versus Sammy Callahan. I'm I'm losing interest in in this whole feud. If you ask me, I think it's gotten it's gone on a bit longer than it has to. And and really, it's just kind of holding Callahan away from from places he might be better better suited. Yeah, um, for sure. Though this does remind me, I have a story about a time I saw Sammy Callahan in Alpha One. Okay, just a, a little bit of fan interaction story. So he was in a multi man cha- uh, match for the Alpha One title, and uh, I was I was really hoping he would win that night, and I started chanting "Death Machine." death machine because you know that's 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 uh, what that's one of his chants but uh i forgot something that happened earlier in that night which was uh a surprise appearance by the other two members of ohio versus everything jake and dave christ and uh as i did that sammy callahan like his his attention snaps over to me and he stares daggers into me and he shouts back everything Because apparently I had the wrong gimmick. That wasn't the gimmick he was working that night. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. I'll take it you you, you just took it on the chin. and Yeah, the, I, I yeah. stopped that right then and there. But, like, that was per- some, some intense fan interaction from, from Sammy Callahan there. So to finish up the show, the main event was uh, Tennille Dashwood making her return to, to an Impact Wrestling ring to face Jordan Grace. She put on a better showing here than I think she ever did as Emma in wwe uh i wonder if this new gimmick of hers where she has a personal photographer is uh kind of a jab at the infamous emelina angle mm-hmm. where she <laughs> where she went on the the makeover from emma to emelina and then promptly right back not showing any ring rust from her time away from the ring but i gotta ask is this angle the best thing for caleb conley at the moment caleb conley portraying Tennille Dashwood's personal photographer. It's a way of getting her on the show. It's a way of people knowing well, who she is. Oh, I'm, I know. I'm not saying. I'm not. There's no question that this is that this is is probably for the best for Tennille. I'm just wondering about Caleb Conley. Well, for Caleb Conley. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. He, when he was when he was part of Cult of Lee, he was part of Cult of Lee, right? Years ago. So I, I mean, being part of a, a a faction or being a hanger on doesn't seem like it's too far of a stretch because Caleb has been in a similar role right there was the i think there were interactions at one point or from what i can believe with uh scarlet as part of the hot show or the hot with scarlet bordeaux oh the the smoke show the smoke show yeah oh, she's so hot that she's smoking yeah the smoke yeah. show so and then you'd be looking at that engagement and that interaction so it caleb fitting that role isn't a stretch it's probably good and just like you were saying mark it does get him on the show mm-hmm. um not to get him on just to get him on but it could just as well be something where he ends up doing bidding he ends up engaging in a feud maybe there is something else that happens when we spoke to jordan i want to say it was almost 
a year ago, maybe six months ago, when she actually captured the title, she was always looking forward to having this feud. She wanted to have some sort of exchange with Tennille. She mentioned it back then, and now it's coming light now. Be excited, because those opportunities and those exchanges are going to happen with talent. That never happened before. So I think it's best for those involved, especially if it was something that they were hoping would come to pass. Now... Uh well I'll, I'll finish I'll finish up here uh yeah like you said Caleb Connolly getting on TV um you know it it could be it could be a start of of something new for him I I don't really see him as as like the hanger on because he seems to be more of like a more of a manager valet situation going on but yeah I guess I guess I've just been thinking about it as strictly as him being being a, a manager valet type uh person and not someone who gets into into the ring later on a la mm -hmm. um rico uh billy right. chuck's old old right. stylist you know he had right. he had some some uh on-screen time before before he ever stepped into the wwe ring well, when you look to caleb's so caleb spent some time in nwa because he did leave and he was having some matches on power so if that came through and he wasn't getting a chance to develop any character here you're getting that other side where it's not just in the ring because the guy can go and mm -hmm. his time in the, on the indies itself stuff with um with calhan's promotion as well pro wrestling revolver and holding scramble championships or scramble opportunities he knows he's definitely capable so this is going to be a nice start to something that could be something more so there we have it folks oh, that's your wait. impact nope that's not that, your is, impact that update. is not your impact update because i didn't get to <laughs> i didn't get to the end of the show oh i thought that was the main event my bad that sorry was, no that wasn't the main event but there was some there was still more show ah there was what i must describe what i can only describe as the worst beatdown angle ever there was a mystery attacker who uh attacked eddie edwards as he was leaving the arena however there was a camera on him as he was leaving, the camera blacked out, and when it came back, Eddie Edwards was laid out. So unless <laughs> the cameraman, whoever was operating that camera, was also knocked out, what's the mystery? Oh dear. So it could be it could be a truck faux pas where they've cut the feed, or the cameraman got a kick in, and when he came to, it was all over. <laughs> oh dear. Ah, uh, see, see, things like that annoy me because, by the sound of it, Impact has had a good show, as like they have been for the last X amount of months. And then the the one takeaway you're going to get from from that show is, you know, that it's ah, oh, it's annoying. Oh, like man, uh, we, we've we've had we've had a couple beatdown angles lately, but like this one, this one just seems to be like it's like it's following the other ones just because it can and yeah, beat down uh, beat down angle for beat down angle angle's sake <sighs> just to just to give eddie edwards something to do that isn't related to the impact championship so pete who would you feel that that surprise attacker might be if it is that much of a surprise i, I, I don't like uh the obvious answer is eric young wanting to take out anyone who could possibly like be a threat right. to his championship but like, after all of the times that he's come out to to wail on someone, why would they keep it secret this time? You're the champion. Yeah, you... it it would it would serve him if they're going to if they're going to have their rematch at Victory Road. It would serve him to to 
to do that in broad daylight. Not no, there's no reason to hide his his identity there. So who could it be? I really don't know. So, since we can take guesses and there's we go off the grid, who has history potentially with Eddie Edwards <laughs> that could that that could have motivation to want to take him out and take his spot? The only name that pops up that is off the grid would be Davy Richards. I mean, he's not wrestling, and I don't know what the plans are, but I know there was talk of him coming back and doing something independently. I know he's almost completely separated from wrestling, but wouldn't it be fitting that he be the one to... I mean, they've had their blood feud between the two of them, yeah. and it was, you know, their, their significant others were involved in that as well. Why not it come to pass one more time? Or... No one would see it necessarily. I just I mean, wonder if if Davey Richards has the goodwill among promoters to to swing that. So we're we're looking at things from a more political standpoint and how he left things prior to. I mean that would be a very much out there kind of kind of swerve. Which, uh, what was okay, hold on. I, so I what just... was his relationship like with Impact on the way out? I am not at all sure because literally the last time I had ever heard anything about Davy Richards was when he no showed uh, an Alpha One event, mm. which was everyone expected because he he, he no showed the last time they booked him. Mm. So and there are ties to Alpha One. Yep, with Ethan Page, who operates that promotion and his time with Impact. So yeah, yeah. you know, six degrees of separation doesn't look good for Eddie Edwards. Oh, sorry for Davy Richards. I have a a potential uh, mystery attacker, which which might explain why it. which might explain why the the cameras were off. Heath. No. I think I think if no. he if he wants the contract that bad, he might have to go to some uh, particularly nasty places to 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 do so. Uh, we saw which they never did before. Yeah. We saw earlier in the show he got some uh, money. Off of, I can't remember who they they pinched it from, but it was definitely money that they'd taken from somebody in, in order to finance their uh, their Heath for Impact campaign. <laughs> uh, maybe the campaign is going to take some some dark turns. Well, <clears throat> that's that's another interesting kind of swerve. Heath turned into the dark side. Ah, I'm not sure if I like that. Obviously, he's he's played heels before, but I'm so used to him being. Yeah, we're so used to him being goofy. Yeah, <laughs> you almost seemed hurt. you almost sounded hurt. Like no, I, I, I love Heath. Heartbroken by it. I've loved Heath for years. He's one of my guilty guilty pleasures of, of wrestling in general. He is such a cool dude, and ah, oh, just just to even even consider him as just jumping someone from behind. I, I, obviously, he's got kids to feed. He needs that contract, but ah <laughs> oh, man, oh oh that oh no, that would break my poor little heart. That would. <laughs> so from breaking my heart to some past pieces that really filled my heart with joy like that little segue there folks mark oh. we had we had some uh some great pieces actually come out now i'm gonna i'm gonna test you now <laughs> and you know what's coming our, yes. our our friend alex he did an unsung hero piece on uh, someone that you've had trouble pronouncing so let's let's go for it yun akiyama that's hey. the one Woo! That's the one. Good job. Okay. Thank you. Don't applaud. 
just throw phonetic spelling in chats. That's what I uh, that's what I say. Um, so the 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 premise uh, for those that are maybe aren't familiar with our unsung heroes pieces, they're the talent that are so good and yet don't get the credit that they should or deserve to get. The the preface that Alex gave to this extraordinary talent is that All Japan Pro Wrestling had their four pillars of heaven, Misawa, Kawada, uh, Tao, and Kobayashi. And this is where Akiyama comes in. It's almost as if there was an unofficial fifth pillar in heaven. It would have been him. Extraordinary skill. Extraordinary storytelling. And yet, when we discussed where he could have fit, in some eyes, he is a trailblazer. But because in the regards of others where he sits, I guess, in that upper echelon, uh, in the pillars of heaven, the four pillars of heaven, he's considered that unofficial fifth. Um, And looking at the matches that he's had and the battles that he's had. um, Any thoughts, anyone on Akiyama or this piece in general? I will say that the guy had some, some... Truly, uh, uh, phenomenal had a truly phenomenal move set. Uh, if you've seen his uh, his wrist clutch, clutch exploder suplex and uh, uh, all of all of his suplexes, really, I think he, I think he, yeah, he invented the the exploder suplex and and the blue thunder driver. Really, an innovator of an innovator of offense to to steal a a nickname from Chris Canyon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, someone who is who is supremely technically gifted and. I think the only reason that he's not considered along with uh, the four pillars of heaven is that he came along a little bit too late. Right. So, and we're just looking at where they, they all seem to have had their exchanges at roughly the same time. And their rivalries amongst the four of them make them sit above everybody else. Whereas, you know, like, like you'd said, he came a little later on. So he doesn't didn't have the same... I guess feud, blood feud. One one of these days, we need to get Alex on to share his exchanges and thoughts on any of the pillars that we've talked about or any future unsung heroes. That could be a show in itself, to be fair. Just do a, <laughs> a Pillars of Heaven show. Uh, but yeah, that would be great. I, I, I have to thank YouTube a hell of a lot for All Japan, basically. I When I was watching New Japan in the ooh, late 2000s, there was a lot of um, chatter about how much it compared to All Japan at that time, and I couldn't get hold of All Japan. So YouTube was my friend, and seeing a few of, of, of Yun's matches uh, blew me away. And then reading Alex's piece blew me away even more because there was so much history that I didn't know about, um, how close he was with the Four Pillars, uh, the how much he put the company on his back at times. It's, yeah, it's... It's a great piece. If you if you like your your Japanese wrestling, you like your strong style, your puro, you need to read this because it it feels it, for me anyway. It filled in a few blanks that I I didn't even know existed at the time. So once again, a fantastic piece from Alex uh, deserves all the praise in the world. And yes, let's get Alex on here for a special puro special some point down the road. To, yeah, well, we'll just explore his interests for sure. So from the east, let's cross over back to the west. Hey, and hey, an hey. AEW talent preview that came out for one of AEW's newest recruits. Yes, uh, our own Jake Landmesser, who is uh, becoming our AEW talent previewer connoisseur, if, if you can be one that devours 
writing, but I'm not even sure if that made sense much. But he refeatures. If you've seen him even before, if he was on Dark, AEW Dark, even leading up to his time in AEW, probably the smoothest spine buster you'll see anywhere. The height, the the depth, the the impact. It's it's as if he took Arn Anderson's spine buster, raised it, elevated, and added more strength to it when he hits it. And he almost built in that Arn Anderson frame is Will Hobbs. Uh, everybody loves, everybody needs willpower. Jake previews running down his career, where he was, where he is, and hopefully where he's going. And this came out yesterday as we're recording, so on the Wednesday. Unfortunately, Will Hobbs had to miss his uh, main event match on Dynamite yeah. yesterday. He certainly did. We'll, we'll definitely get into that in a bit. But uh, yeah, Will did have to miss his main event match. Um, I, I, to my, to my unfortunate credit, if, if that's uh, the way to say it, I didn't know much about Will until uh, AEW Dark, as you said. Mm-hmm. And I remember specifically watching All Out, the uh, pay-per-view just gone, with my wingman and the Casino Battle Royal. And my wingman was absolutely transfixed by, by Hobbs. He was like, who is this dude? Who is this guy yeah. that is built like a proverbial brick <clears throat> house and is throwing people around like they're just no one? He's got the look. He's got everything. I mean, my son's eight and he's talking about look, for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. So he knows that, you know, this this guy is, 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 is just t- taking his eye, so to speak. So I explained who Will Hobbs was. And unfortunately, he was looking forward to seeing him on Dynamite. And that went kind of wrong for things we were going to talk about in a bit but yeah will hobbs again the jake's piece filled in the gaps that i didn't know existed for me uh where he was uh what he's done i mean he he, he was a all pro wrestling and uh yeah the, the part about uh him meeting booker t as a child kind of set him on the road to being a wrestler mm-hmm. uh yeah it's, it's just a, a very good story of how somebody wanted to to make it in the business and did what he could fantastic so from our past pieces we're going to quickly switch gears and we're going to talk about some indie news and i know people are going to moan at me for this point and say that new japan is not an indie yeah i know but it's it, it indie covers a whole breadth of, of of things and we've we've got three promotions already on here so indie covers the rest and unfortunately new japan falls under it so after that long, explan- long explanation, let's crack on with the G1 update. Uh, the G1 up began last week, and as at the time of recording, we have the points total. Does anybody want to do the points total, or are you going to leave it to me? <laughs> um, I, I can do it. You want to do it? Okay. So if, Mark, you start with block A, mm-hmm. and who who's who's the movers and the shakers? So right now we have a three-way tie with two with a record of two and zero oh, and four points. We have Jay White, Taichi, and Will Osprey with a four-way tie for second place with a record of one and one. Jeff Cobb, Kota Ibushi, Minoru Suzuki, uh, Kazushika Okada, all with two points and one a record of one and one each. Tomohiro Ishii, Shingo Tag- Takagi, Takagi. See, this part we didn't plan for. Um, <laughs> and Yuro Takahashi, all with records of 0 and 2 and 0 points. So, so we have 
Multiple uh, multiple men tied for first, multiple men tied for second, and multiple men tied for third. Little surprises so there with. <laughs> I know we're only two matches into this this mammoth G one, but is anything there take your fancies or any surprises? What what we got? What are we looking at, Pete? For a block, I, I I didn't necessarily expect Will Osprey to get uh to have to be doing this well so early on. I am very disappointed that Tomohiro Ishii has not won a match yet, but I'm I'm holding out hope that that we could have some uh, late tournament game changers. Pleased with how uh, Minoru Suzuki is doing, not great, but he's doing all right. And yeah, Okada kind of stuck in the middle there. That's uh, that's a big surprise from from A Block. The thing that gets me is is Takahashi zero points, mm-hmm. not one win. That's that's strange. Is is his star on on the wane now? Is is it? I'm not sure. Unfortunately, I am not as up on uh, <laughs> New Japan as as some of the others here. Shall you, I take? You were, shall I take B, B block then? You can you can crack on with B block. So we have a three way tie in uh, for first in B block between Tetsuya Naito, Toriano, and Juice Robinson. A four-way play tie for second place between Zack Sabre Jr., Kenta, Evil, and Hiroki Goto. And uh, third place in B-Bok, a three-way tie between Hiroshi Tanahashi, Sonata, and Yoshihashi. I think this has the more has more uh, surprises than A-Block. This, when when it was, um, when the G1 was announced and every, the, the blocks and the participants, everyone was really talking about how, how can I put it, how they were expecting such big things. I don't think many people were expecting the surprises so far after two matches in each block. Yeah, really. It's very strange. We're looking we're looking at a, at a at a situation where Toriano may do better than Zack Sabre Jr. and even Evil. I know. Better than the champion of the company, a dual champion. And you know That's... Hiroshi Tanahashi has been the the John Cena of New Japan for for quite a while now and to see him rack up nothing in two in two matches that's that's just incredible it's it, as you said it's incredible it's a strange one it's the bookers of of new japan are, are trolling us all i think <laughs> really are we're not expecting osprey to be two and oh because the guy hasn't really done much during lockdown and he's he's flown back to japan and knocking it out of the park and looking like he hasn't missed a step you've got you've got naito who's who's obviously naito and deserves deserves that and then you've got Tanahashi who should be up there he should be challenging he should be 2-0 and and he's 0-2 with no points and the future looks bleak what about yourself Mark? I think Toro Yano might have some sort of it might be something with selling of his DVDs or something like that might be involved in why he's got this advantage maybe others feel indebted and feel like come on pick this win up or 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 get this as anyone who's seen his gimmick um, can be quite comical itself right so um yeah yano being 2 and 0 is um is interesting I'm excited for juice robinson and I, you guys have already addressed tanahashi really it is surprising but again like we've all said it's it's two it's two matches in the favorites the cream is yet to completely rise let's see this yeah. after the tournament's come to its end but uh interesting start no doubt really shocked by sonata too it's easy to say that right like former champions present champions um as you, said, as you said, you know, it's, it's we've only we're only two matches in on, on both blocks. It's there's still time for for the status quo to go back to normal, so to speak, or there could Indeed. be time for even more shocks. So 
we will be back here next week with more G1, with our G1 update. Um, I might even try and create my own little jingle for that for next week. Um, during this past week, the NWA World Women's World Heavy Well, oh my word, the NWA Women's World Championship. Easy for you to say. Uh, was contested on Tuesday night on UWN's prime time pay per view. According to Dave Meltzer, it was a standout match. Has any of you two seen it? Uh, I I gotta confess, I have not. Okay, that makes two of us. And Mark. Oh, let's let's make it a trifecta of unfortunately not seeing it. And, and there was a which is unfortunate because I. I think that Thunder Rosa's had some pretty quality matches. You saw something where you're a little disappointed by her performance in one more recent one. So but... folks, so folks, yeah, yeah. Mark has, has been banging Thunder Rosa's drum for quite a while saying how great she is. And I, I, I need to catch a look at her properly. So my first match was unfortunately her match against um, Shida at all out. And I really wasn't impressed. I, the, the chemistry wasn't there. Thunder looked like she'd never run the ropes before. It, it was really, really strange. And I <laughs> I had some some harsh words for Mark <laughs> privately, <laughs> basically saying, what are you making me watch? This was awful. But um, yeah, I, uh, apparently I, I, was, I was wrong. This match, according to, I'm going to say what, I'm going to give you what um, Dave Meltzer said here. He's put, um, both gave it their all. It went for nearly 25 minutes and I didn't notice once there was no crowd. They worked a very fast paced match and just kept going, hitting each other with harder and harder moves. Both women put in a performance that might have been the best of their careers. I cannot recommend this match enough. Now, I saw that and I was like, right, I do need to go out my way to watch it. And do you think I can find it anywhere? Can I buggery? Hmm. So, even highlights, even a quick three-minute highlight package, and I can't find anything. So I will be going out of my way this coming week to try and find some highlights. And I will be, if I find them, I will post them on my Twitter. I will post them on the Pro Wrestling Pod, Podcast Twitter. And yeah, if if Dave says it's worth a look, then it's got to be worth a look. I don't normally take his opinion that well, but I mean, I don't think he's, he didn't give it a star rating or anything like that, but. You know, a twenty-five minute match. For, it's it's got to be worth a look, surely, guys. Oh, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. What about you? What about you, Pete? Did you, did you know much about the women involved? It was um, Thunder Rosa and Priscilla Kelly. So yeah, I uh, I watch Dynamite religiously, and I've seen Thunder Rosa make her appearances on Dynamite. Uh, like you said, not really the best chemistry she's had with with the members of the AEW roster. I, I I am very much open to to having my assumptions shattered. Yeah, I mean Thunder Rose has got a look. She's got mm-hmm. uh the charisma, certainly. Uh it just seems like I've I've been seeing her kind of out of her element. Yeah. I'm, I'm, every time Mark's told me to watch her, she's been on NWA and that maybe that's where she felt more at home and you know, more, a bit more relaxed whereas AEW is a brand new environment and, and everything else. It, it, it could be a whole multitude of variables, but yeah, she definitely looked a step off in AEW from what from when, when I've seen her. And then obviously her match on Tuesday night was one of the best women's matches this year by all accounts. So yeah, it, I, need to, I need to find that. It, it also occurs to me that I've only seen Priscilla Kelly in AEW. So I feel like I've been uh, neglecting some of the 
finer points of women's wrestling. That's well, that's my bad. <laughs> well, Priscilla Kelly's been uh, reached out, and some of I wouldn't say controversial. Well, maybe we could say controversial. That'd probably be a fair way to say it. Uh, some of the things that she's done um, that's generated a reaction more on the indie scene, which others are upset by. There's a spot with the tampon that some might remember. Um, and it and it didn't necessarily go over as well. Other things, but I mean, it's it's different, and you know that doesn't define her, no doubt. But for what we get a chance to see here, um, we're getting a chance to see the Priscilla Kelly. Hopefully, that you know there was teased about an MLW. I don't know what her future will be there, and if that's gonna even come to pass, or if that's gonna take place, but because she had a running storyline with a character there, that character is no longer there or in AEW. So let's see what happens. If it's going to be something that weaves between NWA and AEW or that partnership continues. So this goes back to what I said uh, about the all-out all women's match, is there could be some kind of relationship between both companies. So do you reckon there, there is something along those lines where cross-promotion everything else until NWA can... can properly kickstart and restart again probably probably but uh right now if if there's still that relationship and opportunities are open and her contract allows for that flexibility maybe she wants to take advantage of all of it hmm. um her and and darby allen are no longer going to be together so um not the one thing would have anything to do with another but still being professional still having that working relationship still having opportunities out there why not be in AEW if it allows for it although her character's a lot there is a bit of an edge and a little bit of a darkness to it does it fit in with a lot of what is happening in AEW or would they have to change her up a little bit I don't know and talking about AEW let's quickly head across to AEW we spoke earlier about the Will Hobbs AEW talent preview and how he couldn't show his wares basically in the main event Pete you said in your intro about a COVID situation could you uh, expand on that a bit more so last yesterday, not yesterday, yeah, it was very very early yesterday morning. Uh, we learned that Lance Archer had uh, tested positive for COVID, and uh, we got in in its place a uh, a match between or a, we got in uh, the place of the uh, scheduled main event, which was a six man tag match pitting Lance Archer, Ricky Starks, and Brian Cage against John Moxley, Darby Allen, and Will Hobbs. Instead of that, we got a, a, an AEW championship match where uh, John Moxley answered Eddie Kingston's challenge. Uh, Eddie Kingston claiming that he was never eliminated from the Casino Battle Royal. So, on top of that, we learned today that at least six other people who uh, work for AEW full-time have also tested positive for COVID. So, what does this mean for the company? What does this mean for other AEW stars going forward? Yeah, it's 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 got a bit messy, especially as they've just started letting fans come into their shows as well. Mm-hmm. This is going to put the cat amongst the pigeons, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, we were talking about this just before, uh, just before we recorded, and um, yeah, you were mentioning that it was it happened around the same time everyone was crowing about how good AEW's uh, COVID testing policy is. Yeah. There was a lot of lot of talk, a lot of chatter saying that, you know, WWE's testing policy in general has been it's been quite poor back at the performance center and they should be looking at AEW because they've got it spot on and now 
all of a sudden I can see a lot of WWE fanatics and maybe even some high officials in WWE pointing their fingers and going, see, it's not just us. So it's just poor timing, I think, on, on for that part for AEW. But um, have the names been announced yet or were uh, they just backstage people? We only know two names, that being uh, Lance Archer and, I wrote it down somewhere, Benjamin Carter, who uh, had a match That's against right. Scorpio Sky this week on uh, Late Night Dynamite. Yeah. So you mentioned how how things have been at the performance seminar with WWE. There's been, I think, I think two or three COVID outbreaks at the performance center. And this is really the first we're hearing from the AEW side. Now, I think that to say, oh, well, they must be, they must, something must have gone wrong. And, and, you know, they're, they might be, be hiding something is kind of, um, kind of a jump in the gun on the potential causes I think what's really going to make a difference is how AEW responds. Yeah, for sure. Like if they if they decide that, you know, we can't have we shouldn't have fans here anymore or we should have stricter COVID testing policies, we should have this that or the other is really going to be the determ- determinant of how we can talk about their reaction whereas WWE have been very very quiet and secretive about how their testing policy works. And so is it necessarily fair for people to start comparing and contrasting? Maybe. We, we just did a little bit as we talked about the, the cases that have sprung up from the, from the performance center. But I think maybe this is more related to like a second wave of COVID than to faults in in anyone's testing really yeah i mean across the world the 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 figures are are steadily rising there's more cases out there so with more cases there's gonna be more people that would be amongst each other which means there's gonna be more spread uh it is i don't mean to make this as, as flippant as it sounds but it is just one of those things because the more testing you do the more results you're gonna find so if there's aew i think in this regard with these this this uh, news that, that came out yesterday, I think they will be forced to stop having fans at events just in case. I know there's a huge gap between the fans in the the middle tier, I think is the nearest they can get, and the the wrestlers all around ringside. But you you need to eliminate any and all risk, and that is a risk as minuscule as that is. Plus, the fans that could mingle. And, you know, I mean, from what we've seen on, on the, the TV, they're all pretty much closely sat together. So even though there is social distancing, they're still around each other. So, you know, I reckon fans are going to be gone. I mean, over here in the UK, literally yesterday, announcements were made that the trial run of fans back at football slash soccer matches this weekend coming has been scrapped because of uh, this second wave. So... I can kind of guarantee that's going to be happening over over your your way soon. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, that's you know assuming that uh, the the government of Florida at least has has that kind of sense. <laughs> well, it depends how much money Vince has backhanded them, really, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. What about you, Mark? You, uh, I, I get kind of bi bi weekly texts from you about cases in, in and around your way. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because if that's going to be the case, 
you're going to take steps back. What do you, you have to think about everyone's safety. You would think that that becomes the most important. In some cases it isn't. Um, mistakes happen. I don't know if, if anybody's going to ever have the complete answer is what's right and what's the best policy. But if you test positive, you still were diligent or vigilant in that you still were tested. You still went through the process and that they still removed him from the show. So for us as fans, yeah, remove them. Reduce from that standpoint as much as possible. But what happens with live events? Will more fans be available? I'd be very, very surprised. I'm sure like you guys. Um, but yeah. In, I, in, in regards to live events, in the recent spate of... Um... WWE uh, redundancies. I think most of them come from the live events sector. So mm -hmm. Vince and Vince went on record a year or so ago in a in a conference call saying that the, the live event sector is is on the downturn anyway. We may not be doing any if or all live events. Could could the live events business be done? You know, uh, it, it's the 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 business itself has changed from what it was you know 10 years ago let alone 20 years ago where live events is where you got your money from if you can get yourselves on tv that's where you're going to get the bulk of your money from nowadays indeed yeah it's so there we go that's uh it's it's that's not our, looking very good been very good at all. we we gonna talk about more stuff from uh aew we are we are we're, we're gonna lighten the mood a little bit we've done our political scientific kind of chat and mm -hmm. we're gonna actually talk about uh, a couple of well one surprise and one debut or well, in-ring debut yes miro uh making his in-ring debut in a tag team match with partner kip sabian kip. blank for a second kip sabian you're lucky that was in english Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway, Miro and Kip Sabian versus Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss. Miro looking on form as ever. Really hasn't lost a step since uh, stepping away from from wrestling to to take on the the world of Twitch streaming. And really, the only the only question I have is uh, why did he get rid of the knee pads? You know, that's 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 just one of my little little gripes about wrestling. Protect oh, your knees. Come on. Oh my word. It's because he was wearing uh kick pads. Kinda kinda Ooh. covered up. The the the, the two things I, t I I took away from, from Miro's debuts. One, as you said, he hasn't lost a step. He looks bloody great. He he's still a, a, a two hundred and eighty pound plus behemoth in that ring. And two, I don't know if you guys picked it up, but Jim Ross made a bit of a faux pas when um when Miro slapped on his game over finisher. Jim Ross called it the accolade. <laughs> and um, I think it was quickly put in his place by Tony Schiavone, I think. Saying, mm. no, no, oh, no, it might be the Scalibur. No, no, it's, it's, it's game over and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, he did say it was the accolade and it, it made me chuckle. Yes. But, yeah, he, yeah he that did great. happen. He did look great. He did look great. What about you, Mark? What do you reckon to Miro? Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch his debut, but the fact that he's part of AEW, you know that I heard he gave a really heated promo too. Um, he's had this fire invigorated in him. The fact that he's there, uh, we're, we'll see where that all goes. I I don't see this relationship with uh, Kip Sabian lasting beyond the wedding. <laughs> it could just just be the the foot in the door. But good times, yeah. That's really all to say about it. Yeah, yeah. his promo last week was uh, that was pretty good. A few little jabs there at Uncle Vince and a few others. Mm -hmm. 
back in the year but uh yeah it was great and um a certain somebody returned yes cody returning from his brief break to shoot that reality show the go big show what i can only describe as the most american looking reality show i've ever seen he returned no longer has the the blonde hair is walking rocking a jet black do and yeah he showed up after Brody lee's match against orange cassidy for the tnt championship surprise appearance and then attacked everybody except Brody lee <laughs> i wonder what that's about as you do you know you get put on the shelf by someone what do you do when you come back you take out all the cohorts and leave the guy that put you on the shelf as you do yeah, I got a question though about uh, his his appearance. Did anyone notice uh, something something else about his appearance, his, his attire when he made his de- uh, return? Ooh, I was too busy being shocked at how young he looks. Now he's got color in his hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fair um, enough. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, I, I, what else? What else was on there? His entire outfit was either black or purple. Those are dark order colors. Ooh. Mm. I'm not going to make any suggestions about where Cody's allegiances are, what drove him to uh, to dye his hair black, but uh, I just I just think that's uh, an important thing to, to point out. Not sure how that's going to enter into it, because shortly afterwards, Brody Lee effectively challenged Cody to a uh, dog collar match for the TNT yeah. Championship. Yeah, dog collar match. It's been a while since I've seen a dog collar match. His dad must be so, must be looking down and smiling. Yeah, the, the last the last dog collar match I saw was at uh, Alpha One actually, and it was between Ethan Page and uh, anyone anyone want to want to hazard a guess? Davy Richards. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious! No wonder he didn't no. get booked. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Oh, nice. So I I quite enjoy uh, dog collar matches just as uh, an alternative to the cage match, but you know there's there's been all kinds of classic dog collar matches from the 80s. Uh, Roddy Piper versus Greg Valentine comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's really something that they're doing just because they don't have space for a cage in Daly's place. Right. It's like they couldn't, they can't really suspend it from above the ring and they can't really just show up and, and slap it together while the show is still going on. So as a, a nice little uh, alternative, I think I think that works very well. That makes a lot of sense. As you said, you, they haven't got the time or the capabilities to, to put a cage up quick smart on live TV. So second best thing is a dog collar match. And as Mark said, you know, somebody's looking down at him thinking, thank you very much for bringing that back. It's been a while. Yeah. It's an ode to his father there, I think. And if he's if he's going to win the title back, that seems like as good a way as any. To do it. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, it, it could work. Or if you know, if you're talking about these dark order colours, it'll just be a, a major swerve where he just just lays down, yeah. <laughs> does, a, does a Nash. You never know. I don't think he he, he would do that just because <laughs> just because Nash has so much heat for that to this day. <laughs> hey, leave Big Sexy alone. Hey, I like Kevin Nash too. <laughs> he just, I just understand that the guy is able to to make him being a so and so sound like fun. I can't wait for Clint. Our, our resident WCW guy. I can't wait for Clint to uh, to get to that era. And I'd love to know what he was thinking. <laughs> that would be a good read. So there we are, folks. That is the end of another Pro Wrestling Post podcast. It's been a great fun as always. Uh, apologies again for not being here last week, but those audio gremlins 
oh, we'll, we will catch them and, and spank them many times with a with a ping pong bat. So, but, guys, where can but, we but find? Mark, oh, sorry, but Mark. But before we let you go, or before you let us go, there's a name I've been hoping to say. I've been trying to practice it all episode. Utami Hayashita. Ah. Did I say it right? Uh, Did I say it right? On. Hay- Hayashishita. Hayashishita. Utami Hayashishita. Hey. That and name is important before we go, is it not? For my, that, for yeah. my sins, Mark. For my sins, fill me in on, on Utami, please. <laughs> Utami is uh, it's a featured Joshi spotlight piece that our own Matthew, who I would try to pronounce his last name, but I will not even attempt to. Um for sake of respect for him, much like I should have done for Miss Hayashishita. Um, her that piece will be profiling this coming Monday, profiling her rise to the top over the last two to three years and where she is now. Um, and at one point, she was known as Utami Four Belts. I wonder where Becky got those from then. Hmm. Ah, interesting. So okay. that's that's a, a Joshi Spotlight Wash coming out this Monday. Was that? It was. It was. Looking forward Indeed. to it. Indeed. Uh, Matthew, feel free to admonish me in the super secret Facebook group chat for nearly forgetting your piece. Uh, I do apologise profusely, but now, now is the time where we are we are going home, uh, guys. Where can we find you on the socials, Pete? Where can we find you? Gonna plug my fe- weekly feature again. Brace for Impact every Monday on the Pro Wrestling Post website. Read my feature. You can find me on Twitter at Pete Probably. And you can find me in real life at the secret location I've been hinting at all episode. Uh, so we tried this last week, listeners, and obviously you didn't get to hear it because the audio gremlins. So here we go. During this episode, Pete has been dropping hints about his, his super secret location. If you can work out where it is, let, hit us up. Uh, either Pete personally, Mark personally, myself, or the Pro Wrestling Post podcast page. Hit us up. If you get it right, we'll give you a massive shout out next week. And I promise you, I won't do what I did with Matthew and nearly forget. Mark, where can we find you? Um, I'm really wanting to know if I should change my Twitter handle to at Mark definitely. Because I'm not really <laughs> sure. I'm not really sure if it's got the zing that Pete's probably does. But um, I, you can reach me personally at, uh, at the Mark Madison. Um, tweet, shout, um, throw things at me. I try and dodge them as best as possible. You can reach our site social media on twitter at the pro wrestling at pro wrestling pst or on instagram at pro wrestling posts and if people are changing their twitter handles i may change mine to mark procrastinates uh, but until then <laughs> i uh you can find me on twitter at mark blake pwp and you can also find the very podcast's own twitter at pwp underscore pod now with all that done We'd like to say thank you very much for listening and we'll be back here, same time, same place, next week. So until then, adios. Ciao.